Welcome to a place where we focus on how to build better versions of ourselves, learn to solve problems in our everyday circles, and inspire us to take action as leaders. Welcome to the Big Things Done Podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Big Things Done Podcast. My name is Andrew Glover. I am your host, and I am excited to bring to you today another interview on the Big Things Done Podcast. Uh, I love doing these interviews because I love hearing from other people and capturing uh, the, just the, the hidden gems of people who are doing big things, right? I truly believe, and I've, we've talked about this on the podcast before, if you want to do something big, one of the things you need to do is surround yourself and inundate yourself with people who are doing big things as well. And these interviews, that that is my entire intent of doing these interviews, is to try to capture those things. And, and why I'm really excited about this interview is the two guys I'm interviewing, David Baranek and Maurice Des Moines, they have just started a company called DBI Ventures. And I won't get into a whole lot because we talk about it in the episode. Uh, But what's really exciting is that these guys have just started this investing company called DBI Ventures, and it's not even a year old. And for me, that's really exciting because I feel like when we talk about success and you, you listen to podcasts, or you read books about successful people, you get to see people on the other side of the hard journey to get to where they are, right? I mean, you, you get to hear from the Bob Igers, right, of the world, the big CEOs who who made it all the way to the top. And then they're kind of looking back and telling you things. And it's not very often, though, that we get to actually look into and see behind the curtain of the people who are in the trenches right now starting something. And so as I'm interviewing them, DBI Ventures, I think is, you know, seven, eight months old at the time. And, uh, and it's just... Man, it's incredible to see what their perspective is, and and I think it's really exciting because in a year from now, these guys are going to at least double, if not triple, in size. I have 100% confidence in that because of their attitude, because of their passion and their skills and what they're doing. Um, so it's really cool just to capture where they're at right now, what their mindset is, right as they're beginning this amazing effort and this big thing that they're doing. Um, just to give you a little bit of context, uh, how did I run into these guys? Well, Dave Baranek is one of the he's one of the co-founders. He and I go way back. Uh, Dave and I. I were actually roommates at the Air Force Academy in 2009 uh, for a semester, and then we were in the same squadron together for uh, the next three years. Uh, Dave and I did different activities, different leadership things. We kind of hung out in the similar and different friend groups kind of uh, as we kind of went through school. And then our senior year together, we were both uh, in the same leadership group. Uh, David was the squadron commander for our cadet squadron. I was the director of operations, the the next step down. So uh, it was awesome to be able to work with Dave. We have different personalities a little bit. We have different mentalities, different ways of doing things, but it's very complimentary. And I really grew to respect Dave in in his passion, in his integrity, uh, and, and just his work ethic as well. Uh, and then we graduated from the Air Force Academy, and about a year later, uh, Dave came up and joined me at Whiteman Air Force Base, where I was stationed, and we were roommates again for about a year and a half. We split a house uh, in Warrensburg, Missouri there, and uh, man, that was some good times. So Dave and I go way back, and that relationship has just continued to be strong. And as I follow Dave on social media, about a year ago or so, I started seeing these these things pop up saying DBI Ventures. I was like, oh, that's weird. I wonder what that is. And I thought maybe it was just some some company he was affiliated with, or you know, liked something from them. And I didn't really they didn't have a website at the time when I looked, right? So I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Maybe it's just something they're starting. And and then you know, I kind of kept seeing DBI Ventures on his social media page. I was like, okay, I got to learn more about this. So I finally reached out 
out to him like, hey, tell me what's going on here. And and he he told me all about it. And I guess you could say the rest is history. So I, I love their story. Wanted to get them on and, uh, and share that with you guys. So uh, without any further ado, please enjoy this interview with David Baranek and Maurice Des Moines from DBI Ventures. We'll see you on the other side. Yeah, so so you guys went go all the way back to childhood, and uh, which is really cool to me, and and that you guys have stayed friends, and obviously our business partners now is is pretty exciting. You don't see that very often, um, so that, that's pretty cool. Um, and so I guess, like I mentioned earlier, I wanted to interview you guys because I wanted to to really capture what's going on at the beginning of this thing called DBI Ventures, which you're creating. Um, and, and so I want to talk about that because that's obviously a big thing that you're doing. I want to get we'll get into the nuts and bolts of that, but I also want to talk a little bit about something that. I haven't talked much on the podcast about, but it's something I'm really interested in. And that has to do with like finances and wealth and how that impacts us doing something big. Um, and I'll get into a little bit more of that later on, but I'm kind of curious on your guys' thoughts as people who manage money and, and, and think about and manage wealth, how does that impact us in our world doing big things? Um, and then finally, I want to just, I want to pick your brains on the personal habits and resilience that you guys, that you guys go through, because obviously starting a business doing all of that, um, it takes a lot. And and I'm curious, always curious on, and want to learn from people who are doing big things. What do you guys do? What are the secrets or what are the habits that you've implemented? So we'll talk about that too towards the end. But first things first, let's talk about DBI Ventures. And how did you guys both get into managing money? Like what, what kind of turned you on to that? Yeah. In short, DBI Ventures, we go by the motto that we grow money. So we're looking to increase our investors' money aggressively and agilely uh, in ways that everybody can feel good about through automated and smart trading of investments primarily. Um, and starting in money management, I, I knew I would be in it in some degree uh, from the start. Uh, I got my econ degree from the academy, so I've always been interested in money and how money works and then uh, the supply and demand behind everything. I think it explains our world. Uh, and I was always looking for that next investment. The career starter loan was like my first big opportunity to do that from the academy. So that was the first big step. I don't remember how much we got, uh, 30, 30, 35,000 or something like that. So that was a blessing uh, that we earned. So being able to research those different options and uh, to be able to uh, diversify that amount of money was exciting and fulfilling. Uh, and has actually uh, grown as I'd hoped. Uh, and then reading a lot of books and podcasts since then, uh, I'm a big consumer. Uh, and any venture, I think the best way to scale that up is to use uh, OPM, as uh, they say, other people's money. So, and I knew that, you know, to be able to do that the right way, you had to have a base of, uh, you know, firm, firm moral character, which, you know, I knew that I had. And then I knew Maurice from childhood, so I knew he had as well. And then kind of like a clear sight of where you want to go and kind of an open mind. Uh, and then Maurice and I have been able to work on that together. And uh, through this, you know, we can help not only ourselves, but help others along the way. So before we get, you know, a little too far, uh, too far into this, uh, I, you know, often people ask, you know, DBI Ventures, what does a DBI stand for? Right. Uh, so, um, you know, quickly. So I'm uh, Maurice Des Moines. Uh, I'm the D. Uh, in uh, DVI Ventures, and obviously uh, David Baranek, uh, he's the B in uh, DVI Ventures, and, and the I is just you know for investment, uh, investment, and obviously ventures, right? Uh, so you know we are co-founders in this uh, in this organization, and uh, again, we'd like to thank you, Andy, for uh, for having us on. Um, I'll probably say that several times throughout this uh, this you know throughout this podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so 
you know, my background is a little different from David's. I, I didn't study economics um, and I don't have an MBA. Um, and this is really where we complement each other, right? So he has that uh, finance background and, um, you know, I'm more on the technical side, right? So I studied uh, electrical engineering at uh, UNC Charlotte uh, in North Carolina. And uh, as a master's, I, uh, I studied uh, systems engineering. And uh, through that, I also um, was able to, you know, get a certificate in uh, systems analytics. Um, so, you know, it's not typical, it's not necessarily a finance type background like, uh, like David, you know, but getting into money management really, uh, for me is sort of stemmed from, uh, from things that I wish I knew a lot more about, uh, while in high school and, and, and beyond. Right. So, you know, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm very fortunate to be where I am and, uh, to have what I have, uh, you know, my parents gave me as many opportunities to succeed as they could. And, uh, and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, certainly I'm sure, you know, David is very grateful for his parents as well. They, they've been huge influences uh, in his life. But one thing that I wish I started getting a better handle on early on is really the financial markets and learning the ins and outs of it. So, you know, that said, a couple of years after I started my career, uh, I then started learning about the financial markets, right? And seeing how long it would take me not only to retire, but to become financially independent. And some of those numbers just were not good enough for me, right? So, uh, so essentially, that those were, you know, some of my uh, my biggest driving factors um, to, you know, to get this going. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because Maurice, your story is so cool because you you went to school, obviously electrical engineering, super smart guy. Get your master's as well. And I know just from talking with you previously, you know, you've got you've a pretty extensive experience in the DoD and different engineering uh, roles that you have. So you know, one one would not necessarily link like you and your engineering background to money management. But I think there are a lot of parallels there too from it, from the technical side, like you were talking about. And I think it's really cool, just an awesome testament how, and maybe this is a little bit of a tangent, but just how like as we develop and as we go to school, as we learn and, and you know get a degree in something, as we continue through life, we realize, hey, I'm actually interested in something a little bit different and we can pivot and use those skills that we've learned in a totally different realm, right? Totally different career field, et cetera. But we can use a lot of those to apply to something we are interested in. I feel like that's kind of the the story for both of you. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so you know, at the beginning of my career, um, you know, soon after college, I worked as a as a design engineer, uh, working for uh, Daimler. Uh, Daimler is the owner of uh, Mercedes Benz and Freightliner and and a lot of other uh, vehicle automotive lines. Uh, so I was a design engineer doing some you know some things that. People, some people would consider it pretty cool. And uh, for me, it was pretty cool at the time. I'd consider it cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it, it, is, it is cool. I, uh, you know, what you do is pretty cool too, Andy. I mean, here, here you are, you know, interviewing us, and <laughs> we're, we're hoping that, you know, uh, you can make us famous, which surely you can. Uh, so, you know, certainly, uh, you know, I've done a lot of different things on the hardware, uh, hardware engineering design aspect, uh, you know, to the software side and also to the... Uh, um, to the analytics side and, um, you know, definitely seeing that I can still take that expertise and apply it to, you know, to some of the things that we're doing uniquely in DBI Ventures. Very cool. Very cool. So, so you guys are both, obviously you're co-founders of, of DBI Ventures and we've kind of talked about your past, kind of how that got here. You guys are both interested in, in money management, whether kind of on the personal side or the technical aspect, what makes you guys make the leap to starting a company around that? Like, how did how did you guys get to like, hey, you know what, we should start a company around this shared interest? We've been looking to kind of get into business together for a while, and it never really kind of coalesced. Maurice is kind of a serial 
uh, entrepreneur. He's he started a few things, including a, an app that he started before uh, involving news and local news before um, you know Google kind of popped up. And I think they actually told you to like cease and desist, right, Maurice? It was on the Apple side of things, and uh, yeah, and that was prior to them actually doing and coming up with it. Yeah, it was it was definitely interesting. You know, we always knew we wanted to get into business together, uh, and you know, to steal your uh, your name, we wanted to do big things. So the time finally was right. Maurice uh, was getting very confident, and I was impressed with how well he was doing with his options trading. And I had, uh, you know, getting out of the Air Force, I had quite a bit of time when I wasn't. Uh, deployed. So uh, we really got together and kind of, you know, this idea uh, sprung forth um, that the next opportunity was going to be, you know, DBI Ventures. So um, like Marie said, I'm kind of uh, a little more of the front forward facing uh, side of things. You know, a few would say because, you know, my dashing good looks, but uh, Maurice is really the brains and uh, the brawn of, uh, of what goes on. We we complement each other. I, I think there's uh, there's there's range all throughout, uh, and uh, everything we do is uh, you know it's 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 in the common interest uh, uh, of the organization, and uh, we definitely support each other. You know, throughout you know developing or providing advice or you know getting the word out there. So yeah, it's it's, it's all shared. But yeah, essentially, you know, David's right. We've always wanted to do uh, big things, right? And uh, DBI Ventures is just one of those things uh, that. You know, I'd like to say it just happened. Um, we've, you know, we've always wanted to, you know, go into business together, do something together, but uh, we didn't necessarily have um, the this niche as a as an area that we wanted to specifically get into. Uh, so I'd like to say DBI Ventures is just one of those things that just happened. It wasn't especially planned. Uh, certainly not for me, right? Uh, you know, David's uh, doing a lot of different investments. Uh, you know, on his own with real estate and, and other things like that. So, you know, I'd like to say that DBI Ventures was not uh, especially planned, not not for me, right? Uh, mostly because of, you know, because of my fairly technical background. As I stated earlier, I studied electrical engineering and systems engineering, and I've worked in the technical and analytical career field, you know, my, my entire life. Um, but, you know, again, David uh, mentioned this earlier. Uh, I'd, I'd like to think that I do have an entrepreneurial spirit. And uh, DBI Ventures really just became one of those ventures that just happened after learning a lot about statistics, uh, analytics, finance, and and being able to apply software to a, to address those financial analytics uh, challenges. Yeah, I mean, it's it's evident to me in my inter- previous interactions with you guys, and then obviously today, even just watching you guys on the Zoom here, there, there's a level of trust between both of you, and I, I think that has to be. The, one of the foundational principles that made you guys say like, hey, let's get into business together because you guys implicitly trust each other. In all the other business entrepreneurial podcasts I've watched, the different um, businesses that have launched, uh, all of it boils down to trust when there's a different when there's a partnership like that, right? So that's that's very apparent. And obviously, uh, kudos to you guys for for fostering that and keeping that. When it comes to managing money, holy cow! Like that's for me, that would scare the shit out of me. And like, I'll, like when I started my um, my business, the the dental application services, right? Like I was taking people's money as a, or I shouldn't say I was taking it, but like people were giving me money so I could help them with their dental school application, right? Like I was super nervous. Like holy cow! I better not screw this thing up because. Like people are paying me to do this. And so like I was super nervous about, you know, just just that type of thing. When it comes to like managing other people's money, which by the way, just for all, all the listeners, um, you guys manage some of my money and highly endorse you guys for for your approach and, and what you guys do. Yeah, thanks for being an investor. 
were you guys nervous when you started that or how did how did you guys go through that <laughs> so um most definitely you know uh, we were nervous about you know managing other people's money so you know we had some challenges uh, starting out right uh you know they, they say it's much harder to make your first 10 sales than it is to make your next hundred we think it's you know probably the same for us for what we're doing as far as finding investors to join our money pool um and you know that was tough uh that was tough initially uh and uh we're very thankful for the word of mouth right but you know we're proud to say we've surpassed that 10 investor milestone and we look forward to you know, to the next 100 and more, right? But but most definitely, uh, any transactional situation brings uh, risk and potential for failure. Um, but you know, also alternatively, each transaction brings the opportunity to succeed, right? So so just think about it. For example, a company like like Amazon, in some cases, has to put trust in the suppliers to deliver end items to consumers, and all that starts with the transaction from the consumer to Amazon or the vendor, right? So we can wonder, right? But likely Amazon professionals or Amazon as an organization, early on anyways, was nervous about this and they probably saw it as a risk, right? I'm saying likely, right? Because yeah, yeah. I'm, make, I'm making an, an assessment here. Um, but you know, they likely were nervous about it and they saw it as a, as a risk, right? Because not only could they lose that consumer for good, but they could lose other potential consumers in the future due to the word of mouth or bad review from that initial client. So, mm. you know, my point is, yes, we were definitely nervous uh, about managing others' money uh, starting out, and we still are um, as new investors pile in, but it makes us human, right? You know, being human and, and being nervous gives us the drive to turn that nervousness into responsibility, right, outcomes, and, and ultimately success for, for ourselves and, and our investors. Um, David, you know, any, anything uh, to add on? Yeah, exactly. As you said, um, I think we, yeah, we're, we're nervous, but we're also confident in our model and our abilities. Uh, and that helps us offset that. So, uh, like you said, if we weren't nervous, uh, then people should be a little more skeptical of us. Um, the investor shouldn't trust us if we're mm. not nervous, uh, cause then we're, uh, probably cocky and overconfident. That nervousness means we understand what a responsibility it is to hold their trust, uh, you know, and that the manifestation of that, which is their money. Um, so we're working every day to grow uh, as projected and uh, maintain that trust. I think you guys hit it right on the head when it comes to how do you overcome that nervousness? And Maurice, I think you nailed it, is that nervousness has to be turned into a sense, overwhelming sense of responsibility. Like if you have that overwhelming sense of responsibility for the thing that you have, whether that's somebody's money or somebody's application or, or whatever, I, I guarantee if you have that sense of responsibility, you're not going to to drop the ball. You're going to do everything you can to deliver for that client and and just convincing yourself that that's, that's going to be the case a majority of times, not every time, but like a majority of times, I feel like that you guys, you described that so perfectly. I feel like that's a, that's a huge bridge over that chasm of, of nervousness of managing somebody's money or those expectations that we've, a lot of times when we want to go do something big, we're very fearful of, right? So uh, I, man, that's, that's powerful. Good stuff. One, th one thing too, you guys are managing, you guys are starting this company, but you guys both have day jobs. You guys are both doing, you know, I should say air quotes, right? Your, your day jobs, what you were doing prior to this. And, and I don't know if you guys have goals of letting this be your, your only source of income at some point down the road, you guys can talk to that. But um, how are you guys managing 
running this company, trying to meet expectations of your clients, having that responsibility, right? In addition to your day job, Maurice, you've got a, was an eight month old now? Uh, I mean, I, you guys are super busy. How do you guys manage all of that? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Warren is just over eight months old and he's, uh, he's a handful. Uh, he's trying to get into everything. He wants to stand up, uh, crawl everywhere. You know, he, he wants to grab everything and he's, you know, he's doing all the, all the cool toddler type stuff and, uh, learning, uh, learning how to say mom and dad. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been awesome, but, but really, uh, you know, from my perspective, it is definitely difficult, um, you know, anytime you're working multiple efforts at once, including your day job, right? So David is currently overseas and he's working nearly 12 hour shifts a day, um, every single day, right? And and I work in an environment that can be extremely challenging and very, very demanding at times. Um, don't get me wrong, we're, you know, we're thankful for our day jobs, right? And we are very fortunate to have, I think what we both considered our dream jobs or careers growing up. Um, a lot of people don't get that. Um, but you know, the bottom line is that there's 24 hours in a day, right? And, uh, we realized that, you know, even after a rough, a rough 12 hours at, you know, your day job or, you know, the initial nine to 12 hours that spent on our day jobs, we realized there's still 12 hours left. Right. Um, and we try to take full advantage of that. You know, that said, I mean, I only get about four to five hours of good sleep each night. Yeah, Maurice doesn't sleep. I tell him all the time it's not healthy, but he needs to <laughs> he needs that sleep. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, sleep. <laughs> you could consider me uh, lucky or unlucky, right? I mean, you know, four to five hours. Oh, lucky you, you have all this extra time to do stuff. Or unlucky you, you need more sleep. But um, you know, but I don't really do uh, anything special though. Like I don't have any special routines. You know, for prioritizing and managing, I simply just write prioritized notes to myself on, you know, on a notepad on the app on my, my iPhone uh, for what needs to be done each upcoming day. And I work them in that order. Maurice, do you ever feel like you're you're overworked or like you take on too many responsibilities? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a normal feeling, right? Um, I, you know, I, I, I go through the week with uh, small amounts of sleep, but it doesn't really affect me, affect me uh, negatively. Um Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, every now and then a couple of weeks on a Saturday, I'll sleep like 12 hours, right? It definitely catches on, but, um, you know, the, the usual, you know, the typical day doesn't, uh, it doesn't impact me uh, negatively. And, you know, gotcha. I definitely try to temper down, uh, when I need to. And David definitely, you know, encourages, you know, it'll be like, it'll be like two or 3 AM and, uh, you know, I'd be like sending him messages and he'd be like, dude, go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm on the other side of the world so i'm like dude you shouldn't be awake just put your phone away go to sleep you can we can talk about this tomorrow <laughs> but yeah for me um i am extremely driven all the time and you know my i call my parents every week and they always say you know what's what's the new thing this week what's good what else is going on um and you know, I, I really get that from my mom. Uh, she's extremely ambitious, and uh, I'm I'm go 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 as well, especially uh, while I'm working. But uh, I always feel a sense of guilt if I'm not doing anything. Um, so uh, I'm always trying to be productive. I feel like I'm cheating my future self if I'm not, uh, you know, actively working. Uh, but but honestly, uh, you know. Sometimes I will feel a little overwhelmed, or um, but I've got my uh, field notes that I do utilize and uh, my big things done uh, notebook as well. I don't know if you're still uh, doing that. 
but uh, I've got I've got it somewhere around here. It actually, you know, because I, I got like ten of these, and then you know I have uh, that that's in the queue to be used. So I still haven't gotten to it, but I've got it somewhere around here. I was looking for it here in the drawer a minute ago, but um, and then I do the same thing as uh, Maurice. I'll, I'll just prioritize uh, for the day. You know, I'll write what's down, and then uh, it, it feels very it's satisfying to to x those things off. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I, I feel like that's a common trend among people who are high achievers and people who are doing big things is they have to prioritize everything that they're doing. Um, and that was, that was one lesson actually I learned at the academy was like, we there are so many demands and so many things that we, we kind of had to do as cadets, but there was no possible way. Literally, there was no possible way we could get them all done in a day. And so I had to learn at least, maybe it's just because I'm, I'm slow on the uptake, but like I had to learn how to prioritize all of those things. So I knew I couldn't get them all done at the same day. Um, and that to me was a really big life lesson for like when I need to go tackle all the other things that I need to do in my day, whether it's going to dental school, running a business, doing a podcast, um, air force reserve stuff. Like you gotta, you gotta just prioritize what's most important and then build that life where you, you have the ability to, to execute and have the time to do that. So, um, yeah, good stuff. Nothing special. It's just, it's grit, hard work and prioritization. Cool. Um, I want to leave you guys some space. Is there anything else you want to mention when it comes to just starting and running DBI Ventures? Why you do it? You know what you're passionate about? Because I kind of want to transition to talking more generally just about wealth and finances and doing big things. But wanted to leave you guys if, if we missed anything when it comes to starting and running uh, DBI Ventures for you guys. I mean, the only thing uh, that kind of you know on my cheat sheet here that we didn't hit to uh, was that. You know, the hardest part uh, for starting for us has really been, uh, you know, spreading the word. So getting ourselves out there, uh, you know, without, um, you know, a, a really a proven track record. So, you know, the word of mouth has been great from our early uh, investors. And, you know, I'm lucky enough to have, uh, you know, great friends and family that have put their their trust in us. And especially uh, shout out to my parents who are our day one investors. So uh, that was great. But I think we're we're very satisfied with uh, where we are. Uh, it has been controlled but steady growth, and uh, I think that's what you want in a successful startup. Um, you know, we still got got a ways to go, but we're getting there. Right on. Yeah. No, that that's awesome. I mean, it's controlled and steady growth, and and you know, starting small with the the word of mouth. I mean, that's every other entrepreneur I've listened to and every book I've read that is the foundation of how they all started. Um, you know, you've got to have that good trust and, and reliability built up amongst a couple people. And then it spreads like wildfire. Same thing in dentistry as a, as a dentist, you got to have that as well. So I can relate to that. So guys, when, when I think about the big things I want to do, um, as I know you guys do as well, right? Starting a business, starting a company of some sort, I've got all these great ideas as many of our listeners do about how they want to utilize their talents, how they want to impact the world. But man, I tell you what, one of the biggest barriers that I have found in my life personally, when it comes to doing something big is finances. It's just money. Like as a dental student, like I'm li we're living off of one salary. The fact of the matter is I don't have a lot of cash flow, right? To fund a business that I want to, I can't go buy a meat smoker and start my own meat smoking business that I want to do someday. Right? Like, like I don't have the cash to do that. So for you guys, as you guys manage money, what is your guys' thoughts on on money and wealth and and the connection to doing something big? Is there a connection there? Is are we just earning money? Are you guys managing money just for the sake of it, or how does that? How do you have you guys seen that being connected? I mean, I think, I think ultimately, 
money does matter. Uh, money matters to a point, you know, but it's not everything. Um, you know, if you're choosing to indulge and live in the modern society with all the niceties in the uh, uh, of the world, you're going to need that money to kind of be fulfilled. I think it's possible to do without, but uh, me personally, you know, I, I've I'm a little materialistic, so um, you know, money is and will be important to me because I uh, I know myself. Um, ultimately, you know, I hope to get to a point someday that it doesn't matter. You know, with the family, with kids, uh, you know, comforts that um, I don't need anymore. But uh, you know, I'm not there yet, and uh, I'm hoping someday that that future family is going to benefit from my grind today. Um, you know, and then there will be at a priority above it, you know, far ahead of that money. But uh, money also is kind of a tool, you know, it, it allows you to do good if you so choose. Money is not inherently evil, in my opinion. Uh, and then, you know, that financial freedom that you mentioned earlier, to use that cliche is everything. So, so I completely agree with David on that one, right? Um, you know, so we are, you know, managing uh, people's money and it, it opens our eyes to a lot of different things, right? Uh, it allows us to learn a lot about ourselves. Um, and, you know, really from, from the money side of things, you know, money matters, right? Um, money definitely matters, um, but it is up to a point, right? Um, so I have a family, right? Like, like earlier, you, you know, you saw uh, Kate in the background, my wife, and uh, we've been talking about uh, Warren. You know, he's eight months old, which is actually just slightly older than DBI Ventures. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so what I'm trying to say is what I'm trying to get at is that, you know, his financial security and financial future matters, right? Our financial security matters. Um, you know, we don't necessarily need to be billionaires, right. To make that happen, but we need to have enough. Um, and you know, definitely money or wealthy people can have an impact on the world or impacts on the world, right. Um, whether positive or negative. You know, we see wealthy wealthy folks donating for causes that are important to them or things that they care about, and we also see people just hoarding and holding onto their money and spending it on materialistic type things. Right? All this depends on the individual, um, but I think my point is that you know, money certainly does matter. Uh, I, I don't think anyone would really disagree with that. Taking mine and David's situation out of this, you know, just just watch the news and. And look around you to see what's going on in the world, right? Especially with the COVID-19 pandemic that has caused and is still causing hardship to so many people since the beginning of this year, right? It's drastic. A lot of people are jobless. A lot are homeless, right? So think about telling them that money doesn't matter. That would be crazy. And, yeah. you know, that's really one of the things that we try to help out with uh, through DVI Ventures. So you can, you, know, you can consider us as, you know, your mom and pop type hedge fund that puts our, our investors first, right? Regardless of the amount of money that they bring in. The, the goal is to try is, is to grow it and uh, and help the typical blue or white collar worker that needs that in extra income or folks that are financially secure and would like to build wealth. Yeah, no, I love your point on that. I, I feel like money is such a double-edged sword, right? Because money can give you freedom, but it can also give you bondage, right? And, and, it, and money can be a tool for good if you allow it, but money can also be something that just absolutely drags you down. And and I don't know. I, I feel like having the right approach to money and how it allows you specifically to do your big thing, I think is really important. Um, not viewing it as something that's absolutely negative, but also understanding that having money is not the only thing that allows you 
to make an impact on the world. Um, and, and understanding, that I think you have to kind of hold that in balance. And Maurice, I'm really glad you brought up the idea of uh, the fact of COVID-19, right? Because, man, it, when people have that wrong mentality of what money is or is not, that can really, it can really magnify your situation in life, whether or not, you know, you're viewing it properly or not, or, or handling it properly or not. I think that's uh, unfortunately maybe a hard lesson that some people learned, maybe not because of the fault of their own, or maybe because of a fault of their own. Have you guys seen that at all? Or do you guys kind of view that that's maybe something that's prevalent in our society right now when it, like misconceptions of money and how we manage that or how we use that or approach it? Um, so, so misconceptions about uh, how money impacts, you know, people in their lives. Um, so this, this is a, uh, this is a tough question. Um, but you know, one thing that I'd like to say is, you know, not so much a misconception, but you know, that question brings to mind a recent conversation that I, that I had with Kate, uh, with my wife about mistakes that people make with money. She pointed out that, uh, uh, she pointed out the underlying fear of money, right? By that, I mean the fear of people not having what they need to survive, right? And even when they, when they end up having enough or when they end up having excess, um, there's still that underlying fear that they're not doing the right things with their money. So, you know, essentially we can have a, a healthy fear of money, but it's likely a mistake to let that fear lead to bad or poor decisions, right? Like for example, holding on to the money, holding on to money and not investing or investing it inappropriately. I mean, what you were saying, Andy, brings to mind, you know, that old adage, you know, it's very easy to take air or oxygen or water or whatever for granted until you don't have any more. So, you know, those with money, just, you know, it's very easy for them to say, oh, money doesn't mean that much, you know, but like Maurice brought up, the homeless guy or, you know, the person without access to adequate health care is just, you know, they, you know, are very lacking there. So, uh, but ultimately, uh, the biggest misconception for me um, that came to mind is, you know, that money is going to provide happiness. Ultimately, uh, you know, they've done studies, and uh, uh, one of my favorite podcasts actually talks about they they mention this all the time. But there's some study that uh, said money does provide happiness up to a point. Uh, I think in the Western world, it's around $100,000. Uh, it used to be $70,000 when they first did it. But after that, every dollar that you make uh, ultimately doesn't, in people surveyed, so you know, you could talk about survey biases and stuff like that, but uh, up, only up to $100,000, let's say, you're going to, you know, get an extra dollar of happiness. So, you know, what we're doing with our life, I think fulfillment, um, you know, uh, gratification, making an impact on the world is, is what's going to make a difference. So, you know, Maurice mentioned uh, Amazon earlier. It's not about becoming Jeff Bezos to be happy. Um, it's about, you know, seeing the world you live in, making a positive impact uh, legacy, uh, you know, that you leave when you leave this world, because we're all going to do it. Um, and then I think ultimately it's also important to have, uh, someone be that, you know, uh, a, a child, uh, a spouse, uh, a friend with which you share it with. Uh, I don't think the, the, the world is meant to be enjoyed alone, if you will. So uh, the world and experience is so much better shared and money is not everything. 
Yeah, no, I, I like that perspective, guys, because I think there, there's two things that I really picked up on that. The first one is that, you know, money doesn't buy you happiness, but as I define success, right, success in, in my definition is maxing out your fullest potential to benefit others. And so if you're maxing out your fullest potential, you, you're a success. And I, I, I see both of you guys like pushing your limits and, and pushing your potential. And so I would I would view you as a success, and I think money is a is a tool that that can allow you to do that, right? You can buy an asset that can help you be creative, right? Whether it's a computer or or a piece of kitchen equipment or something, so you can bake. Like you having that ability to to exercise and max out your potential, that a lot of times comes because of money. I think the other thing too is, and Maurice, you kind of mentioned this with with your son, right? And thinking about you know your family and is providing for others, and we all three of us. I think we are very, we we have been very blessed in our upbringings. I think all three of us, to varying degrees, we were raised with by parents who provided for our every need, who gave us the opportunities to go to you know high school, to college, to who not only encouraged us to to aim high, but also provided for us and had the money to do that. I view like I, I view money as that opportunity for us to give back in that same way to like like to Warren, right, Maurice, like with your kid and and with our future generations that we're going to have and. And it's really that forward-looking thought of if I want to do something truly big and impact those around me through my talents, wealth and money is a huge way to to do that, right? To transfer that, whether it's a good upbringing, being able to fund somebody through college or or whatever that looks like. It doesn't have to be those specific things. But I don't know. That, that was kind of my takeaways on that. I don't know if you guys agree, disagree. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, right? Uh, you know, we've been uh, you know very fortunate. Um, you know, I went through high school, college, so, some parts of that I had to, you know, shoulder my own with, uh, you know, student loan debt um, that, I'm, you know, student loans that I'm paying back now. But nevertheless, you know, you know, fortunate for those opportunities and, you know, definitely feel like it is my responsibility to provide that tenfold, right, uh, you know, to, to Warren and, and others that are uh, that are uh, less fortunate, uh, whether it's through, you know, helping them grow their money or or uh, through, uh, through other means. Um, and, you know, that's, that's that's a human trait, I guess, in, in some cases. Um, but I, uh, you know, I'm thankful to have uh, that human trait. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really powerful thing. I mean, I think that's really kind of at the center of your guys's company too, right? Is is you're you're not necessarily out there to try to make somebody the Jeff Bezos of the world. Although I believe you have the power to do that. <laughs> I mean, as you guys grow and as you continue to do what you guys are doing. But um, I, I really love the education piece, which I know you guys are trying to get off the ground too, when it comes to um, teaching people just the basics of, of what does it mean to manage your money well. And and I love the story, Dave, that you shared on another podcast when it, and you shared with me as, as I was looking to invest too, which is, you know, there was a, a gal who wanted to invest more with you guys and you guys said, you know, we'd love to take your money, but, you know, your financial situation, as you described it, you know, you've got a lot of debt. So actually, you, you probably shouldn't invest all that money with us right now. Maybe only invest a little bit of it and start paying off your loans. And, and that just shows me what kind of priorities you guys have and how you prioritize your clients and ultimately the customer. Getting back to that responsibility, right, of managing people's money. It, it, it comes full circle in how you guys treat your clients and how you guys treat money as, as way more than just a, a number that you can attain in your bank account that equals happiness. So... Um, you know, with that, we've got a lot of people who listen, who want to do something big. They're either, they're trying to do something big right now, or they want to in the future. What advice would you give them from a financial perspective when it comes to building money, building wealth in order to set them up to go do whatever big thing they want to do? Personally, uh, I always preach diversification from my background. Um, never put all your eggs in one basket. 
even you know if that one basket is killing it for you uh, focus on what you're good at sure but have insurance policies and uh, to use a, a cliche that I mentioned, have irons in other fires or I, somebody mentioned it earlier today. So um, for instance, when, when DBI builds up a resilient long-term investor base and we have some free cash flow, you know, we're looking to uh, get into partial ownership of, uh, you know, real estate in the future, uh, you know, breaking news here if we haven't announced that yet, but hopefully, uh, you know, we're going to get into bigger and bigger and, uh, better projects, you know, along with the normal options and equities. I like what David David said there. It's completely right, I guess. Maybe, you know, spoiler, uh, spoiler alert. Uh, but yeah, we, we definitely have, uh, we have goals, right? Um, we have a vision for our organization. Uh, definitely would like to, uh, you know, get into that real, real estate aspects in the future and maybe even start looking into uh, startup investing, right? Uh, you know, seeing co what comp uh, new companies are doing, what new inventors are doing and, you know, Throwing a dollar here and there, and uh, and seeing uh, you know how how those companies do right. Um, but I would like to take it a little, take it a step further for you know some of the entrepreneurs or folks that are out there trying to you know decide whether or not to start their own business. Uh, you know that are that are listening. You know my recommendation really would be you know take the leap. It really will help you learn so much about yourself that you know that you never knew. And who knows, right? It could become your primary source of income in the future, uh, which, you know, we certainly hope that is the case for, for us in DBI Ventures as well. You know, David and I have, we've done different things in the past. Uh, we've done, big, uh, you know, we've done things that, you know, from little to big, right? Uh, DBI is not the only thing. Uh, so I've, you know, I've built mobile apps. Uh, you know, we've opened uh, an online store. Uh, he's, you know, currently into real estate. And you know, I do some other type of uh, freelancing type work. So we do all of this outside of our regular day jobs. Um, so you know, really, my recommendation to those folks on the business side is take that leap because uh, being crazy is okay, right? But just don't be too careless. I like that. Crazy versus careless. I think there's a difference. The thing I like to say is is be deliberate. Always be deliberate with your choices. Um, you know, you can be confident. You can be crazy a little bit, as Murray said, but be deliberate. Gotcha. Hey, I'd like to get you guys' opinion on what, this other thing, too, that I was thinking about. So COVID came, right? And I don't know what the number is now, but like 3 million or more people it, you know, flocked to uh, uh, apps like Robinhood or, or Acorn or whatnot, trying to be the next, uh, the next Warren Buffett, right? And like... Um, as a young entrepreneur or, or budding entrepreneur, right? Like they, you know, people are thinking, Hey, you know, I want my money to work for me so that eventually I can have enough money to start, you know, some company or something like that. Uh, is that, is that what you'd recommend? Are there other things, other, other thoughts that from a financial perspective, you guys would, would recommend for, for that young entrepreneur to be wise and deliberate about their money so that when that opportunity does come for them to be crazy and take that leap, um, they, they're set up for success. So when I say don't be too careless, um, I think I really mean don't be too careless, right? So we've all been there. We've all done stupid things. Um, uh, you know, certainly if, you know, you want to, you know, take your stimulus check and, you know, dump it in Robin Hood and, you know, do something with it, do that, right? But know what you're doing before doing it because it's one thing to you know, buy a share of Apple stock or a few shares of, you know, Amazon or whatever, and just hold it for a long time. That's one thing. It's another thing to place a risky bet on something that could be worth zero dollars in the same day, right? When you, when you win, 
cherish that moment, right? But remember that, uh, you know, if you got lucky winning, make sure you remember that you got lucky winning. You know, we've all been there, right? I've placed bets on things that uh, ended up making, you know, tens, $20,000 or so uh, within the next day, right? But I've also uh, carelessly lost a good bit of that money, you know, a week or so later, right? So, uh, sure. so you know, don't be too careless, um, 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 but but do be crazy. And and when you win, cherish the, cherish the winners um, and uh, sort of... Uh, sort of know what you're doing or have a basic idea about what you're doing before you get into it. If it's on the financial or the, or the markets, uh, financial market side of things, uh, you know, learn, learn the basics. Uh, but like Arisa is saying, uh, it takes knowing yourself and being mature to kind of realize that difference, right? You're still going to get that, uh, you know, what is it? Serotonin or whatever that, that gambling feel good chemical, uh, when you have that win, but, knowing whether you had a deliberate, you know, getting back to that deliberate, like calculated move that was a, uh, you know, the right thing to do, or whether you just got lucky, uh, that takes knowing yourself. And if that's what you deliberately did, then you can repeat it in the future. And then you've got yourself up on a, a, a safe and, you know, even though it's an aggressive path, but it is repeatable and uh, you're going to succeed. But if it was lucky and you realize that, then you can you can stop it right there and just take that win. Uh, otherwise, you're going to go down a, a bad path that uh, is ultimately going to lead you to to failure and unhappiness. I mean, honestly, I, I fell into that trap a little bit too. Like I opened up a Robinhood account, and there's nothing. I, I should I don't, I don't believe there's anything necessarily wrong with it, but I do think that there's there's a trap when it comes to managing your wealth, right? Especially Dave, like what you were mentioning that if you don't have a deliberate plan and you haven't sat down and thought about your move and how this could or could not um, make you better, it's literally just luck that's helping you make money because you invested in Tesla and two days later the stock jumped and you had no idea why or, or couldn't even think to predict that. that that's a dangerous thing. And, and, I, and I don't think that that's a success. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a, an equation for success. And, and so, you know, if, if I would be so bold, I think things like, you know, linking up with you guys with DBI Ventures, where you guys can walk through. Hey, here's some here's some financial steps that you can take: having an emergency savings fund first, uh, paying off you know the bad debt or, or eliminating that bad debt. Uh, you know, different types of stocks or annuities or bonds that you could invest in. Obviously, you guys are way smarter than than I am, and that's why I, I give you money to do that. Um, you know, and I think that really you guys can offer that sort of plan that deliberate calculated plan and kind of take some of that emotion out of it that, um, that a lot of times I think people rush into and are hoping for that serotonin dopamine hit. Right? Yeah, certainly. Uh, yeah, a lot of the, you know, the things that we do are, uh, algorithmically. So, uh, it takes, uh, you know, it takes that emotion, it takes that emotion out of there and, uh, you know, things are, things are calculated, right. It's all calculated based on, based on predictions. Um, and, uh, this allows us to, to be consistent. I like that consistency. Yeah. I wouldn't say we're smarter than you, Andy. You're a very smart guy, but uh, we're smart in different areas. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we'll we'll <laughs> we'll we'll settle on that. And it's okay. That's that's part of that maturity too. Knowing what you're good at, and then knowing, you know, knowing what you know, uh, and then you know, knowing where you can get smarter. No, I totally agree with that. In fact, shoot, I wish we could segue off. I, I don't want to. I want to be respectful of your guys' time, but that is actually one thing I've I've had to come to grips with is that. We all have the potential to be very smart in something. I mean, you know, if I wanted to, I could 
teach myself everything that you guys know eventually, right? It would take me a while, but I could, I could probably teach myself everything you know. But the reality is I don't want to learn that. The reality is there's other things that are more passionate to me. And so that's what I'm going to go spend my time on. And I'm going to pay other people or rely on other people and friends to, to help me through those other times. That, that, that self-awareness is, uh, gosh, that's important. Um, yeah. Anyway, just as an aside, I won't, won't go off too much on that. Um, I want to close with two questions for you guys as two very high performers balancing a lot of stuff. What are like one or two resources that you would recommend for people that have helped you in your personal growth? Uh, you know, it could be books, podcasts, Ted talks, YouTube videos. What are there like one or two things that really just stand out to you? It doesn't have to necessarily be financially related. could just be leadership, could be personal growth or anything like that. Probably top one or two resources that I would recommend uh, or, you know, things that have helped me. Probably the major recommendation that I would have isn't necessarily the first thing you would think of, you know, not like a specific book or a resource, right? I would encourage people to pick a good mentor, right? Mm. Whether formally or informally. Personally, I don't think your mentor has to be uh, someone that's overly successful in their field or expertise, right? But they should be someone that has qualities that you value. You know, whether it's their drive to, to keep going, uh, their wisdom, uh, or their relentlessness. So, you know, for me, uh, one of the most influential folks in in my life was, uh, he was the chief engineer uh, at one of my previous jobs. So he was, you know, he was my boss. I only worked for him for a short period of time, but things that I learned from him uh, keep my drive going today. And, and he once told me that, that I should ask myself a specific question, right? And that question is uh, to be or to do, right? And actually um, at my going away party when I left, uh, he literally wrote this question on like a little plaque that they gave to me. And he said, to be or to do, that is the question. He judged that that question, the answer to that question would ultimately define my, my career path. So when you ask people what they do for a living, you know, they're often lead in with something like, you know, with something that provides them a certain status, right? They'll say, you know, I'm a team lead or I'm a CEO or I'm a, you know, whatever else, right? Uh, I manage this team, right? That's that's not the way I look at things. That is a to be, right? So nearly anyone can get those titles. So uh, at DBI Ventures, it's not really about who we are. Though we realize that, you know, being who we are helped us um, and will still help us bring in, uh, you know, initial sets of clients and investors but it's what we bring to the table that keeps it going, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we grow money. That is to do. That is what we do, right? So to be or to do, we are doers and, uh, and we grow money. So I, I guess, you know, the moral of the story here, I guess, is, uh, is to pick a good mentor, uh, someone that you look up to, uh, and that could change a lot in your life. Maurice, how do you do that? Like, like so this guy that was your mentor, he's like two levels up or, you're, you know, your boss's boss. How do you, like, how did you... Do, did you go up to him and, and be like, hey, like, would you be my mentor? Or did you like ask him out for coffee? Or or was it just more of like kind of from from a distance? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> please, would you mentor me? Like what, what, how, what did that look like? Because I'm always curious about that. I agree with you. I'm always curious about how do you get that mentorship? I was lucky enough to, you know, travel and, and spend a good bit of time with him, you know, whether one-on-one -on -one or, uh, you know, e even in the office I sat. You know, I sat, I sat close to him so I could just pop in and we could have, you know, those random conversations uh, and answer specific questions. And uh, so, you know, as far as, you know, getting a, a, you know, what I consider a good mentor, um, 
it really can be formal or informal, right? Uh, you know, at, at my day job, they recommend that you have a formal mentor, uh, you know, someone that's written on paper, someone that you look up to. But, you know, that that's one aspect of it. I, I think the informal type of mentor can probably even provide you with more guidance um, than, than a formal one, right? Because you can have these hard conversations uh, with them, right? You can ask those hard questions and get an understanding of, you know, how they got to where they are, even even if not, you know, overly successful, right? Because uh, it's that mindset, right, uh, that, you know, that you essentially value and that can keep you going. Right on. Yeah, I really like that distinction between the formal and informal mentor. So that's a great point. Uh, Dave, same question to you. Top uh, one or two pieces of advice, resources that you'd give for uh, folks who are looking to do uh, something big, could be financial, could not. Uh, what do you got for us? Yeah, really, uh, Maurice's answer was so good there. I, I've just got two quick things. Uh, really, I, I can't never, or I never can't recommend uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Uh, great book, so inspiring. And then, and then uh, kind of for a financial mindset reset, um, or something that you've suspected has always been there, but uh, you w weren't really sure how to define. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by uh, Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, love that. Yes, awesome book. Highly recommend that one. Um, question for both of you on that subject. Have either of you read The Millionaire Next Door? I've not. Neither have I. Um, <laughs> yeah, great question there, Andy. I probably should have prepared you guys ahead of time <laughs> or to ask that so that way it just uh, doesn't fall flat on its face, right? Um, but no, I mean, the reason I asked is just because for me, that was a very impactful book from a financial perspective. Uh, this uh, group or these authors basically conducted a study back, I think, in the 1990s or so about uh, the millionaires in, in America and, and what habits they had, you know, how much money did they make? How much did they spend? Um, were they investing in, in certain things versus others? And, and what it really came down to at, at the end of the day, these people were just average people. They didn't have high paying jobs. They weren't all doctors and lawyers. They were people making, I don't remember the salary, but they were just middle-class people who saved and lived below their means. And it was a really good financial discipline lesson for me back in the, my twenties when I, you know, just started uh, kind of life and, and realizing what financial uh, responsibility was. So Anyway, I bring that book up. Uh, I always recommend it to my listeners, and I'd be curious to hear what you guys think uh, if and when you read it. I'll have to add it to the list then. Uh, yeah, I think I've heard about it, but... Yeah, it was a good read. You know, a short read, pretty easy to understand, so pretty easy to digest, but uh, yeah, it was a good one. All right, last question for you guys. Uh, it's 2020, and it's no secret that 2020 hasn't been the greatest year, right? And I'll, I'll be honest, one of my pet peeves and just things that really has been irritating me over the past couple months has been whenever something bad happens, right? Whenever something just doesn't go our way, and I've noticed this with my friends and my coworkers, everybody says, oh man, it's, you know, whatever. It was destined to happen. It's 2020. What, what can you do, right? And, and the reason I don't like that attitude is because it just makes me feel like we're all just victims of this world that we can't control things. And to some extent, that's true, right? Like life is just shit sometimes and that just happens. But I guess my question to you guys is when you experience these types of times where you're, you get kicked, you get knocked down, what's your mantra? How do you react to those types of situations? Is there something that you do in particular to keep getting back up and to keep getting into the fight? I constantly remind myself really, um, and probably others annoyingly, cause I, I say, or I feel like I say it so much just to control the things I can and let go of the rest. So whatever happened, you know, it's, it's already happened. So 
I can only control how I'm going to react to it. So, and then, you know, whatever comes next is based on my reaction. So that reaction may be emotional. It may be mourning the loss, you know, whatever it was, but that needs to be on a limited basis. That can't go on forever. And uh, how you deal with it is natural and okay. As long as you are, you know, realizing what you're doing. Uh, but that fight needs to continue when you're back up. You know, you need to keep going. You need to stay hungry. And, you know, that's that's how I feel, you know, with DBI. We've reached some level of success already, but, uh, you know, we've established that strong base of investors and we're happy with what we built. But, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. So we're going to keep going. I love that. Maurice, what about you? Yeah. So David's constantly reminding me, you know, uh, when something doesn't go our way, we've got to let it go. You know, um, move on to the next one. Right. Stay hungry. Uh, um so I'm sort of the opposite, I guess, uh, of David. And I guess it's great that we're in business together, right? Because we're complementary of each other. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm actually very, very stubborn. I mean, I'm stubborn too. But. <laughs> yeah. I say David's stubborn, definitely. Yeah. I, uh, I constantly replay failures in my head, right? And, uh, and, and really, I mean, these failures make me who I am, right? Uh, nobody is perfect. Uh, and, you know, essentially, you know, our successes and our failures make us who we are. And I try to remind myself of, uh, of those failures or those mistakes, as well as the prior outcome, right? Uh, so to not repeat it, especially if uh, I'm expecting a different, uh, different outcome. Maurice, totally agree with that. I love that. You know, I think reflecting on your failures, reflecting also on your victories just gives you that sense of confidence and uh, helps you not only learn what to do differently next time, but uh, I think gives you the the ability to take on new risks because you know you can adapt and overcome uh, in any situation that comes your way. So I, I totally agree. I think that reflective nature is is really important. Awesome, guys. Hey, this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, anything else that you guys want to say as we uh, wrap this up and bring this interview to a close? Uh, again, thanks for having us. I want to encourage everybody, if they want to learn more, to go to dbiventures.com and then uh, hit up our social media as well. We're on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, just DBI Ventures. Sweet. I will make sure to put all of the links to those resources in the show notes below so that our listeners can check you guys out, uh, obviously, to hopefully be investors as, uh, as I am an investor. And uh, I'm very appreciative of the work that you, Dave and Maurice, are doing uh, to help my money grow. Really appreciate that. I know it's an extension of your passion and uh, have 100% trust in what you guys are doing. Dave, Maurice, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for showing us the risks you've taken, the journey you've had to do big things. Keep up the great work and keep inspiring other people to do big things as well. It's been great, guys. We'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. All right, friends. Well, there you have it. A great interview with David and Maurice. Uh, it was a pleasure to sit down and talk with them. Hopefully, you were able to take away some nuggets, some lessons, maybe some inspiration uh, about how to take calculated risks, uh, not being afraid to do that, learning from your mistakes, uh, and just some of the habits that successful people who are making a difference in this world uh, are doing and implementing in their life. So hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you are interested at all in connecting with David and Maurice, please check out the show notes below. Uh, dbiventures.com is their website, and then they also have, are on social media, on Instagram, on Twitter. I'll put all those handles down in the show notes below. I know they would love to uh, hear from you and just let them know that I sent you over there. All right, guys, take care. We'll talk to you guys soon. And until next time, keep doing big things. <laughs> <laughs>